Hello! Welcome back to another episode of Star Sound Speaks. This is your host, Irliana Samsara, Star Sound Astrology and StarsoundAstrology.com. Okay, we are continuing with our coverage of eclipse season. Having in the previous episode talked about the solar eclipse, we're going to talk about the lunar, which is going to happen on Tuesday, this Tuesday. This is a big one, it's conjunct Pluto, and there's lots to say about that and a lot of revealing, which we've already been seeing. However, due to the fact that I've just seen Toy Story 4, we interrupt this programming to talk to you about the astrology and symbolism of Toy Story 4. We will get to the lunar eclipse coverage, but I think we're going to save that. We're feeling to save that for the next episode. So, caveat emptor, if you have not seen Toy Story 4, please hold on, skip this episode, for now, because there are going to be spoilers. Uh, Go jump to the episode on the lunar eclipse, and then once you've seen Toy Story 4, we invite you to come back and and have a listen. Yes, it's that important. Um, Anyway, so on to that. Toy Story 4, oh my goodness, they've done it again. Uh, Toy Story 3 was my favorite of all of them, and if I recall correctly, Toy Story 3, FYI, was nominated not only for Best Animated Feature, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was also nominated for Best Feature Film in the year that it came out. What was that, a couple of, three years ago, four years ago? Anyway, um, and I remembered that, and I don't know if if an, an animated film in film history had ever been nominated for a Best Picture Oscar, because if it weren't, Toy Story 3 was the first. That's how profound that story message was. So um, if you happen to have skipped that one, please do watch that before you watch Toy Story 4. Uh, you want to see that there's an evolution here that's going on, and it's really quite profound. But anyway, back to story, Toy Story 4. So in this episode, in this particular um, latest installment of the franchise, we have uh, Woody and friends are... Um, are, you know, dealing with, uh, well, you know, Woody recalls his separation anxiety and his grief about losing Bo Peep nine years earlier. There's this, you know, it opens with that. Um, and and it goes on to, uh, this is an incredible story about how, um, you know, the little girl Bonnie, the new little girl who, you know, has them all, uh, you know, the new owner, we should say, is uh, they go on a road trip on vacation. And, uh, and in the course of that, uh, Woody uh, goes and, he, you know, he discovers Bo Peep, he sees her again, and he reconnects. So there's this whole story in there about being wounded and such and reclaiming oneself. And I thought the astrology of that is uh, what is currently going on right now is really strong, very strongly mirroring Woody's journey. So what really comes to mind for me is the the triple conjunction of Saturn, the South Node, and Pluto in Capricorn, which was ex- very, very tight in April of, of this year, a few months ago. Um, Saturn and the South Node, you know, of course, Saturn, uh, both Saturn and Pluto are retrograde right now because Saturn moves quicker than Pluto. Saturn and the South Node have pretty much stayed within conjunction of each other, in other words, tightly stuck together. Um, but nevertheless, it's still a, a resounding theme song about the transformation of 
the very structure of our society, the very purging of old structures that no longer serve us. And really mainly we're talking about a very linear, uh, patriarchal society uh, where that was the status quo and how we're reinventing ourselves from the ground up and radically reinventing, right? Because Pluto is like, <clears throat> Pluto burns things to the ground and completely obliterates them so that the new can rise. Well, in these, in, in, the, um, in, the, in the film, we, we are seeing how uh, Woody is grappling with you know, needing to feel useful. He feels, you know, because he doesn't have Andy anymore, his his original child, and, you know, Bonnie doesn't want him uh, anymore. Not Nothing personal, just, you know, just wants to play with the other toys. So he feels very much uh, used up and not really knowing his purpose, like what's, what's there to do anymore. And all he knows how to do is to serve. So he's very much a Bhakti. You know, there's a lot of Neptune... <laughs> Piscean Neptune energy in in Woody the the Piscean archetype about being the selfless servant that works behind the scenes to assist others wants no credit very strong you know with Woody especially in this particular installment and uh, so he is there to assist others well there's this new character that gets introduced Forky and it's made from Bonnie's first day in kindergarten where she constructs a um, a doll out of a spoon a trashed spoon a spoon and pipe cleaner that got uh, thrown out by another a fellow student just throws throws it in the trash because he's getting rid of his he's throwing stuff in the trash so um you know she wants to make something and and woody rescues this this uh stuff from the trash and from that um she makes a doll which is really just out of a spoon right it's nothing fancy with pipe cleaner arms and a kind of rubbery mr bill kind of face you know with little play-doh eyes and mouth so she calls it forky and she loves it because it's her creation and uh, you know the um, what I love about that is th- there's this whole archetype that goes on there uh, of um, of transformation and of knowing oneself and you know spor- a forky I want to call it sporky because it really is like a spork it's a spoon with a little edge on the top but anyway um, forky is uh, you know, it was in the trash. So he keeps calling himself, but I'm trash, I'm trash. And and he doesn't understand his potential because all he remembers is the part where he got ditched in the trash. And that's when he kind of came to in consciousness where Woody pulled him out of the trash and placed him in front of Bonnie and she created this doll out of him but he one of the first things Woody has to do is to quit call you know have keep coaching him stop calling yourself trash you're not trash so he's kind of like this you know <clears throat> savior archetype that literally rescues him from the trash and then he reprograms him to say look you're more than that you know you're pure potential and he introduces them they get a ride home and he, you know in the backpack and he introduces them to the rest of the family and uh, it, I just thought it was it was interesting because Woody, um, you know, is always at one point Woody has to rescue him. Um, he jumps out. He he's so programmed for trash that he Woody has to keep preventing him or trying to rescue him from jumping back into any trash can that he sets his eyes on, whether it's an outside trash can or an inside. So of course this this sets up a great adventure. But Woody finally, uh, you know, he does everything to save Forky and to keep being there for him to pull him out of this trash concept and and 
and he's just there with him all the way. And even though it's very difficult, he just says to him, you know, I just, there's nothing else for me to do but to just be there for the other toys. To say, because he, you know, Bonnie was no longer a play toy of Bonnie's. So he automatically knows that it's time for him to serve others. But he still feels, you know, it, he's, it's still conflicting. He still misses Bo. He, he loves Bo, you know, in his heart. And, and uh, when he rediscovers her, of course, he's elated. But it turns out that Bo is in the toy store, the antique store in this little town where the, the family has gone on vacation, where there's this carnival. And there's this antique store in the town that the carnival is being held in. And Bo Peep is, is, is in there and, um, and they discover each other, you know, he, he climbs back in and, and there's all this that ensues. But what's interesting is that this whole movie is about redemption and reprogramming and of, of uh, you know, the, there's a doll in there which is like a chatty Cathy, um, totally showing my age, right? I remember chatty Cathy. Um, and uh, anyway, it's called Gabby Gabby, and she's this talking doll, a baby doll with the chatterbox. You know, you pull the string like Woody, but she her voice box was defective from the beginning. She reveals later, and she's this wounded child, literally a wounded child. And and we first see her in this baby carriage, and these two um, archetype of. <laughs> Oh, God, these two ventriloquist dummies are, are um, you know, m m giving her a walk. And I thought, well, that's, that's really interesting because they're dressed in pinstripe suits and they're really scary looking, you know, as, as those ventriloquist dummies always are ever since, you know, that iconic Twilight episode, Twilight Zone episode of the uh, ventriloquist uh, assuming the role of, you know, Cliff Robertson played the, the ventriloquist and the dummy and all. And it was a very scary episode. But anyway, there they are walking, walking the uh, Gabby Gabby in the baby carriage. So she lives in this cabinet, but they take her out and they give her a walk around the store. And they're, they're evil. They're like evil clowns. They're just, they're just evil. And um, anyway, they prevent, um, obviously, they're the nemesis of Woody and, and uh, Forky as they try to rescue Bo and get her out of the store. And uh, a lot of things ensue and they meet other characters. But I, I just had to chuckle because I don't know why. For some reason, I, when I saw the pinstripe suits and these scary men that were preventing, that were aiding and abetting Gabby Gabby's woundedness. And I, I don't know, I, I don't know why, but I just thought of the Koch brothers of all things, the, these billionaire investors that are very, um, extremely wealthy moneyed, you know, the Koch brothers, you've, you've heard of the Koch brothers, um, Koch as in K-O-C-H, if you want to Google that. But, um, anyway, um, ultra conservative kind of moneyed elite, you know, billionaire kind of elite people. So oligarchy and Pluto and oligarchy is would come up um, astrologically for that archetype. Pluto and Capricorn, right? Here it comes, breaking down the oligarchy, breaking down the hierarchy, the toxic male lineage. So these, these men, they were really like henchmen and <coughs> how they <coughs> prevented her they they took care of her, but they kept aiding and abetting her in her wounded state. Well, obviously, that's all they knew how to do. There was nothing they could. They were an antique store, right? They were no long. They were obsolete. Their 
whether they were wounded like Gabby, they were just all obsolete. Like who plays with ventriloquist dummy dolls? Nobody, right? And Chatty Cathy, well, she was defective from the start out of the box, so nobody wanted her. And she ends up in this antique store. But she's wounded. And for a few moments, you feel that she's, you know, hmm, you know, kind of like a little evil because she wants to hang on to Woody. Well, she wants him you know, she really wants is his voice box so she could learn to speak. So he has to protect herself from that. But in the in the long run, uh, of course, Woody being that Neptunian, you know, uh, selfless servant, sees people suffering, wants to save the world. He he ends up, at, you know, later in the film, giving her the voice box of his, his voice box so she could speak. And, and yet that was, and so that she could be accepted and found, well, the little girl that plays in the store, the shop owner's granddaughter, she discovers her and she plays her a few times and then it's not impressed and tosses her in this box. So even having stolen that voice box and all, even having been assisted, it wasn't enough. She, she still felt dejected, like nothing she did she thought doing the quote right thing would get her like now I'm normal because I have this voice box but she gets trashed anyway so she's still in her wounded state she's still in that 12th house if you were to put it in astrological terms right uh but anyway so there she is and she uh you know, it's ended up, yes, she ends up getting rescued in the end, but I love the fact that Woody, you see such a transformation, there's such an arc in, in the character arc for Woody, because he has always been the one who looks after, he's been the alpha male all of our, the entire time we've ever had Toy Story, he has been the alpha male that has looked after everybody. And he, you know, has felt out of place. Um, as long as he was one of the toys being played with, it was it, it worked. But because Bonnie let him go, and it was his time, you know, she moved on to other toys, and they all know that that happens. But he felt this kind of, and I thought about baby boomers with, and, and any parent who's been an, an empty nester, where you've raised kids, and they've, they've moved on. And now what do you do with your life? You know, what now what do you do? And um, so, um, you know, it, it, it just, it's it's pretty amazing, because it gives us some clues about that and you know how can we reprogram ourselves when when people have that depression that they've raised their kids and then they're kind of like this empty hole what next you know the empty nest syndrome and then they give the answer you know he continues on and he's in service to others but i love the fact that he um, he was so willing to give him himself that he first he just gave up his voice box like okay if that's what you really need to feel complete I'll give you my voice box but then it turns out that you know later in the film that um, you know if that's what he he saw that there was a purpose and Bo Bo Peep helped him do that he saw that there was a purpose for for living and he found it through Bo Peep. So Bo left, you know, nine years earlier, she was already taken out of the house and, you know, given to Goodwill, whatever, ended up in an antique store. 
And, um, but then she got out. She was able to get out of that antique store when, um, when he meets her, when he sees her. Sorry, correction. He did not see, he saw Bo's lamp in the antique store, which drew him in, but he didn't see Bo herself. Bo herself got out of the antique store and escaped and was playing around with other characters, with her sheep and others in the park as a fully empowered free agent, as you might say, in a very Aquarian signature. She's her own person. She became liberated. She became this more dynamic uh, female. So she wasn't the sheepish, um, you know, the old archetype of a woman being subservient like little Bo Peep. She became this, you know, really cool, you know, um, Bo Peep that was uh, empowered, the empowered feminine. And she's kind of a warrior. She's kind of became like almost like a little bit Mad Maxi, you know, road warrior ish. And, and and so she rides around in this mechanical skunk mobile and with her sheep and others. And you know, she's she's having a great time and she's feeling liberated because she's having fun and she's free of you know. Oh well, I got rejected by a doll, but you know, I'm on to something better. And she kind of found herself a new place, um, and then in and so I and and then you know she assists Woody in coming out of where he was and making that transition for himself. So it's by us women, uh, by the divine feminine archetype of the nurturing part of ourselves, um, assisting the toxic linear male linear signature that has been so prevalent in our society for so long. We're we're assisting that um, and reprogramming that and, and saying, look, you know, there's life beyond that. There's a whole new world that you can play in and participate in i.e. the carnival, right? The life, right? Carnival. And uh, fun and, and enjoyment and, and all. And, and on a group level, you see, it's not like the, the, the where you're serving one person, one child in a home. Now you are free of that paradigm and now you are being in service and having fun and helping others in this giant outer world of called carnival with many people in many scenarios. So it's like an upgrade. But I love the fact that, um, you know, there he was, uh, you know, being that it's the death of the caretaker and the savior archetype and the victim martyr kind of thing that he he didn't have to get stuck and stay in that, that he could be on that high road of that Neptunian high road, which is the the mystic and the one who uses their gifts to be in, but they're not wounded anymore. He's not wounded about having missed Bo and not grieving anymore, and he's fully empowered. And I just thought that was really, really cool. So there's this loss and redemption. And what is redemption? Well, it's like reprogramming. We're reprogramming ourselves. And that's exactly what we're going through now in this huge changeover of 2019 into 2020. It's us uh, reorganizing and reorienting ourselves on a new structure of society. And the film really clearly um, illustrates this. But anyway, um, let's see. What else do I want to say about that? Um, oh, I love the fact that the, back to the ventriloquist dummies, those, um, they took Gabby for comfort. They had her wheeling her around the store in a baby carriage. And I thought, well, that's interesting. They didn't walk around together. There was nothing wrong with Gabby's legs, but they had her in a baby carriage. So it's like comfort. They were they let, they put her in a comfort zone. And again, it's like maybe they, I know they probably did it out of good intent, 
but they were very manipulative. They were like henchmen. You know, there were like four of them that would come after Woody and they were scary. And they kept him from liberating her and the others in the store, the, the cute little fur, uh, the furry uh, ones too, these, these two new characters that were also in the store that are introduced to the to the uh, lexicon of Toy Story. But um, anyway, they were kept undeveloped. They kept her undeveloped, and I thought that's interesting. They were nurturing her wounds and keeping Gabby undeveloped by wheeling her around in a baby carriage, right? She could not evolve and grow. She was always going to be a baby to be, you know, needed somebody to care for her. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And it was not a thrift store that they found these these dolls in. It was actually an antique store. So that's saying these are old, outdated uh, roles, you know, that are no longer embraced by society. And yet there was this part of them that was still, they were kept alive being in an antique store. So, um, and I thought it was interesting that the, the with the Koch brothers, you know, ventriloquist dummies, instead of being controlled, because that kind of a doll is controlled by the ventriloquist, right? That ventriloquist puts their hand in them and controls them and does the speaking. And it looks like they're talking, but it's obviously really the guy doing the talking. Well, they, it's like their role got shifted. So they were the ones controlling. So they went from being controlled to the ones controlling by, you know, preventing her from growing and being like the nemesis of these, of Woody trying to rescue um, Gabby and, and the others. So I just thought that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, let's see the, um, and what was really, um, oh, I also want to say about the, the there's a, a character that is uh, played, voiced by Keanu Reeves, and it's, um, he's a, he's a kind of evil Knievel stunt driver uh, action figure with these a cape, and he has Canada, the Canada Maple Leaf on his, um, I'm skipping his name right now, but anyway, he's, it's a very funny comic relief character. And it, Keanu Reeves is voicing him, and he really took a page from the Neo, or the, the, the writers for Toy Story 4, certainly took a page from The Matrix, the first Matrix, when Neo does his building jump for the first time when he's trying to remember who he is and remember all his powers. And if you, if you recall in the Matrix movie, where he, he, he's in the simulation and he jumps, or he attempts to jump across one skyscraper, skyscraper to the other. And he he gets in his head, and what does he do? He falls, and he hits the pavement, so he's got a, of course, it's a fake spongy pavement because he's in a simulation, but he has to learn to trust himself and to get over that divide. Well, in that very same, on the very same uh, wavelength, they've got this character that at one point has to, he's got to use his motorcycle to zoom across and bring this cord across so the other ones can rescue Gabby in this rescue attempt. Well, there he is um, doing that building jump, and then he remembers the the child that he served in the past that he, where he was rejected by him because he wasn't good enough for his jumps, and so there it was the same thing again. I thought that was very interesting. Um, but anyway, but what and again, what I I don't know why, but <laughs> I thought. I, I, the the face of this character looks like Tony Robbins, the self help guru. <laughs> he just does with this like big Fu Manchu and I just dark brown hair. I don't know. It's just funny because it's like he's always 
Tony is always about, you know, believe in yourself and be motivated. And, and there's this, this character figure. But anyway, um, what I thought was really, uh, really quite, quite sweet was this, um, at the end when Woody, uh, gives his badge, he decides to stay, you know, with Bo. He's not going to go back, even though they did a very arduous rescue of all the characters to get back on the van, the, 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 um, the RV to go home with, with Bonnie and the family. And, uh, Woody, Woody's realizing, okay, I really, you know, I got to do that because Bo chose a new life and moved on. And then, you know, Buzz Lightyear reassures him like, you know what, Bonnie's okay. You don't have to do that. You know, it's, it's all right. You can let go of that selfless service thing. You're not happy personally. Like, yeah, you're helping, but you're, there's so little you can do once a child has let you go as the favorite play toy and moved on. So, he he gave him Buzz gave him permission to be there and to follow his heart, which he, he always loved Bo. And so he's now got a new role. So he kind of gave him permission to do that. And then um and when the others came to say goodbye to him, uh, Jesse, you know, and everybody, um, he took his badge off, his sheriff badge, and he gave it to Jesse. And there, there's another great, there it is, the transfer of power from the divine masculine or, you know, the, to the divine feminine. And so he's giving her the authority and the leadership. It's now female. She's a cowgirl. You know, he was a cowboy and she's a cowgirl. Now she's got the sheriff. Now she's the alpha. The alpha in the society now is a woman. And I just thought that was so cool. And um, anyway, so that's my take on um, pretty much. I think I've covered everything on my <laughs> list of things to say about that movie. But um, yeah, it's definitely uh, worth seeing. And it does have those those Pluto, Saturn, Capricorn archetypes and... Neptune, you know, we have Neptune in the, has been transiting for the last several years in the sign of its home sign of Pisces. So the dissolution of all form, you know, and, and the, you know, it's a reprogramming of, are we victims or are we mystics? You know, are we here to be in selfless service? So I thought that was, it's certainly a, a prevailing theme all along. Oh, and the other one other thing I want to say about this film is that in the um at the end, you know, you see you know, here's the new life, Woody's new life, and even for Bo, because I didn't really get that Bo was doing this earlier. She was just kind of she was empowered and she was on her own and she was having fun in the carnival and she would let the kids play with her and and the others in the sandbox, but um but what uh, but what we got was very much so when Woody joined her, then it was an even greater mission to help other children uh, find the dolls that were um, you know isolated from children who had never uh, dolls in the in the park that had never had the opportunity to be with a child. They would link them up. So there's this funny. You know those uh, the shooting gallery in a carnival where you you shoot the ducks you know that go around and around on that wooden you know thing, and you and when you shoot something you get the prize of the doll. So the dolls that are captive that are hanging on the grid behind the 
behind the thing, you know, they're, they're up there. And, and the, and so they're the two fuzzy ones, the yellow and blue fuzzy ones are saying to the new dolls that are sitting there trapped, literally, um, Hey, you want to, you want to be with a kid here, we'll help you. And they have, they have this, they've rigged the system behind the scenes. And the man who is playing his music with his Dr. Dre beats, you know, he's like in heaven listening to music and not paying attention, the man, the carnival booth, op- booth operator, and they're rescuing their other, they, they figured it out, had to rescue these animals, these toy animals off of the, um, the prize wall. And, and they're sending everybody home with one, you know, so they're freeing them. And so Woody's new happiness and his new purpose is to work behind the scenes and free up um, those who wish to be in service and get that experience of being in service to a child. And I just thought that was so cool. So there's, again, that Aquarian energy. It's, um, you know, group consciousness, working together, having this sukh, this Buddhist term, it's like simpatico, where everyone is tight and aligned in one purpose and working together. And, and they're all to serve others anonymously, anonymous contribution. There's that Neptune signature again, right? You're not looking for the spotlight. You just want to be in service. So I just thought that was so cool. So that's my take. That's my take on Toy Story 4 and, um, and the astrology and symbology of it. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, and by the way, shameless plug, right? Um, I wrote a book seven years ago, so we're in a Saturn, you know, uh, square of when I published this book. It was in the summer of 2012, and it was um, me being a huge Harry Potter fan. Um, I called it The Codes of Harry Potter. And it's an ebook, and it's still on Amazon, and you can buy it there. Shameless plug. <laughs> and it's about the symbology of Harry Potter and how that is a reflection of our consciousness. And uh, certainly was very, to me, very, very prophetic. And it was to prepare people for what is, and especially the Gen Xers and Gen Y and Gen Z, to prepare them and to show them what their true role is in this society and what they're going to be up against. So that's it in a nutshell, but I go into it more in depth. It's $4.84, people, if you're interested. doesn't cost you much. You can certainly feel free. Go to Amazon.com and The Codes of Harry Potter by Irliana Samsara, and you could read more if you're interested in that kind of thing of symbology. But um, anyway, so that's it for the movies, and um, we will be talking about the eclipse in the uh, next episode and a whole lot more whole whole lot more we got lined up for you so thank you for listening we love you all and um, this has been another episode of star sound speaks Irliana samsara we love to hear from you so shoot me an email starsoundastrology.com and uh, we'll see you next time thanks